I'm Samantha B. Welcome to my podcast, Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully, you'll experience one by the end of this. Okay, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are gearing up for their highly anticipated first presidential debate, so I hope you're prepared to watch two men in their 70s try to figure out which camera to look at. Oh, do you remember when campaigns used to like at least sort of be about issues? This cycle, we have one candidate accusing the other of taking performance enhancing drugs while the other candidate is releasing slow motion videos of himself putting on a mask. One thing they both have in common, they spend more time intricately combing their hair than I do. If you're despairing and you need a little inspiration, don't worry, Aunt B is here with this podcast, which is all about providing good vibes via a guest who makes me feel good and whose wit and wisdom will make us all feel a little smarter. You can listen while you fill out your mail-in or absentee ballot. Do not leave a single box unchecked or while you're waiting in line to early vote. All better options than waiting until November 3rd to get this election over with. In the meantime, I'm joined by my producers, Svea Baron-Reinstein and Adam Howard. Okay, podcast gals. Got a podcasting superstar on today's show, John Lovett. As you may know, his show Love It or Leave It was a spinoff of Pod Save America. Okay, if you were to launch a spinoff of this show, like really turn this into a franchise, what would it be? What's the spinoff <laughs> of this? Well, as I, I feel like as I've gotten to know you mm-hmm. and have heard like a lot of your off-mic stories, mm-hmm. all of your stories about your childhood mm-hmm. and your relationship oh, with your parents okay. are so funny and entertaining <laughs> in your dating history and all that stuff. So I would definitely tune in for a, mm. like, Sam B. The Canada Years Oh, my Chronicles. God. A full run <laughs> <laughs> you know, wow. With, like, you know, traditional Canadian music, whatever that is. Okay. Is like the <laughs> whatever that is. I don't know what that I would feel be. Like you, <laughs> I feel like you don't realize that they... They just listen to music, too. <laughs> we what, have our own music. We have our own okay. very distinctive, you, but many of our, you've heard of Glass Tiger. You know Glass Tiger. I, um, I've heard that Platinum name. Blonde. You know, Are Anne Murray. I've heard of Anne Murray. <laughs> I've heard of Anne Murray. <laughs> now you're hitting my demo. Don't you pretend. <laughs> so what would you spin this off into? Uh, oh, God. I mean, I feel like we talk about this after every podcast that we've yeah. done. Whoever our guest is, we're so inspired by them. We're just like, oh, we could have them on every mm-hmm. week and we could talk about baking or... Right. Well, really baking. Yeah. That's, that's the <laughs> That is the theme. It's a very... It's an unexpected thing, but I feel... Really? How is that unexpected? I don't know. I feel like that's that's the most on-brand thing that we could talk about. I don't know. I do think that people look at our... Sh- they watch our show and they go, you guys are so angry all the time and you're just <laughs> arguing about politics and your life and you're just like giving it all you've got but actually all of us are like and then I made I know, shortbreads but- and I was concerned about the type of butter that I used I used an Irish butter and it was leaky and I didn't mm. <laughs> like, I know but if you've but if you've been to our office yes you get a totally different picture and there are 
always baked yes. goods and now I just miss uh, our office so much because there's always like a crepe cake or like a box of pretzel croissants I do, and that's and just who we are. I do and I don't because those those chocolate chip muffins were an addiction for me. Yeah, <laughs> I would literally bargain with myself on the way to work about how I'm not going to I'm not going to have one today. I'm definitely not. And then as soon as I saw it, I'd be like, hook it into my veins. But Adam, your wife bakes all the time. She's an incredible. This is also a problem. Okay. <laughs> it's how do you, it's a lose. It's a lose. Yeah. I mean, is anyone ever sick of baked goods? No, I guess no. not. Yeah. So how do you, you resist? Go. Like, how do you give the people what they want? So honestly, with her stuff, yeah. it's really easy for me because she's often making it for like a person mm-hmm. who ordered something or like a party. Okay. And it, she she decorates them so elaborately that I wouldn't want to mess with them. So I sort of trained myself to be like, that's not mine. She made a certain amount. I can't touch them. But whereas with the office, it's like mine. Right. <laughs> want it before anyone else. <laughs> Me. Yeah, you can't you can't get it at home, so you have to look elsewhere. Okay. Oh God, I miss baked goods, but I don't. I don't know. Do you miss our office? We haven't been in our office since March. We're not. Oh boy, Ooh, the office was a whole other ball of wax to unwind. Not. I miss safe. our office. Mm-hmm. I don't miss our office bathroom because we Ooh. shared it with like 10 other offices. So true. And it's like a really scary it's place. A scary if the women's room was bad, the men's room is probably 10 times worse. I don't think so. No, because doesn't the, doesn't the men's room have jazz? Uh, or was that upstairs? We used to be in a different office. Oh, yes, yes, Our yes. first season. And I feel like whenever I would walk by it, there would be jazz. Oh, oh really? Set the scene. That's nice. Yeah. It's no, like Mad Men someone, in there. Someone can check me on that. I think it's fun how men are always like, I'm sure it's much better in the women's bathroom. I'm like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think we just can't conceive of anyone being more disgusting than we are. Oh, don't. You well. don't. You can keep the mystery alive for you. If that... Anyway, save that. Save that for the spinoff. Oh, that's the yeah, spinoff. Yeah. Toilets <laughs> across <talk>. America. <laughs> toilet toilet talk. I love it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but we have John Lovett coming up, and you're going to want to stick around after that because we're playing another edition of Presidential Trick or Tweet. So don't go away because I have some hand-picked ads coming up just for you. Joining me today is former Barack Obama speechwriter, John Lovett. Over the last four years, John has become a podcasting powerhouse with his friends at Crooked Media. They've carved out a safe space for progressives in the Trump era on shows like Pod Save America and Love It or Leave It. Leading up to the election, they started Vote Save America, which has raised over $7 million for progressive causes and signed up over 25,000 poll workers. And if that wasn't enough, this whippersnapper is also a comedian and a television writer and producer. Plus, like me, he's part of a major celebrity power couple with his fiance, journalist Ronan Farrow, welcome to the show. John, love it. Hi. Oh, boy, we're in it. We're in it. We're just reflecting on the fact that Bill de Blasio ran for president. I forgot. (laughs) I allowed myself to forget that he he made a run at the the presidency, at the nomination. Do you ever let yourself forget things like that? (laughs) Are you ever surprised by things you once knew and forgot? I interviewed... Bill de Blasio. And I feel like I mm-hmm. broached something that I really didn't get close enough to the heart of with him, which is that mm-hmm. 
there's something inside of him that really just doesn't want to be liked and wants to be disliked by as many people as possible. Like it's a competing instinct. Obviously he's a politician. He wants to be successful, but like rooting for the Red Sox, driving to the Y, like some of the choices that he makes, it's like there are patterns deep within him from his childhood, maybe connected to being tall, that Mm -hmm. lead him to do things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, mission accomplished. I don't know. He has done it. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Compared to me, you're just like a you're just a podcast veteran. You're like you've done it. You're a, you're at the vanguard. You're a maverick. You've sure. done it. You've mm-hmm. built this empire. <laughs> okay. Do you have any? <laughs> you're like oh, is this what this whole interview will be? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, it's sort of, why did I say yes? Being a podcast map, like it's um, it's like just a, it's like that the joke about snowboarding, right? Like what the, the what's the difference between a a novice and an instructor, and it's a week. <laughs> You know, oh. <laughs> right? That's funny. Let's obviously talk about you. We're here to talk about you and your organization and your skills and everything you've learned through the years. So, okay, you vote Save America has raised over seven million dollars for progressive causes. You've recruited two hundred thousand volunteers from around the country to adopt battleground states. You've helped four hundred and thirty thousand people use voter registration tools. Where did the idea for Vote Save America come from? And did you know, did you think when you left the White House that you'd be doing so much to try to save democracy or that would even be necessary? No, I mean, look, if Donald Trump had not won the election, I'd currently be mm-hmm. uh, a <laughs> mid- well, hold on, pundit. Hey, buddy, You're right in the middle of a oh. joke. I was like halfway through a joke. <laughs> I'm gonna have to start it again. I have a whole punchline that I'm like, building begin towards. Again. If I, <laughs> if, I had, if Trump hadn't won, uh, I right now would be a mid-level writer on an uncontroversial Roseanne reboot. So like, no, like I didn't. <laughs> see that now? See, I, I put too much attention on it. I uh, uh, no, like I, look, we. I had no idea what would yeah. happen. I mean, I think one thing that I felt like I so I worked for Hillary Clinton in her Senate office mm-hmm. and on her campaigns. Then I was a speechwriter in the Obama White House. And I left because there was a part of me that always had wanted to try to be a stand-up or try to be a comedy writer. It was sort of this other, you know, it's, I think you, it's the things you imagine yourself doing like late at night, sure. right? So you're falling asleep. And for a long time, it was imagining myself going further in politics. And then once I was in politics, I kept imagining, my, I like would watch my favorite shows at night and I would have these sort of like, little flights of fancy about what it would be like to write a show. And so finally I decided that I wanted Mm -hmm. to do it. And I spent a few years uh, writing pilots and and working on shows. And I realized that there was this part of me that really did still want to be part of politics. And so we had done this podcast uh, called Keeping It 1600 for The Ringer. Mm -hmm. John uh, Favreau and Dan Pfeiffer started it, Tommy Vitor and I joined. And it was a great outlet during the election because we felt like there wasn't a place where people were having an authentic conversation about politics that was serious without being self-serious, that wasn't so, I think, loaded with punditry and horse race stuff and all the Mm -hmm. rest. And after the election... John, Tommy, and I really felt like we didn't want to go back to, you know, they were doing kind of speech writing and, and communications consulting. I was a, a, a writer, and we really felt like we wanted to spend all of our time basically not just working on the fact that we had, a, not just addressing the fact that we had 
now a monster in the White House, but the underlying mm-hmm. cultural, economic, political rot that made that possible. And obviously, there's only so much you can do with a podcast. A podcast is not going to solve the world's problems. Mm-hmm. But like we felt there were a lot of people out there like us before the election. There would certainly be a lot of people out there like us after the election looking for a place that treated them less like cynical observers, which is how so much media right. treats people and treated people more like what they were, which is frustrated, angry participants. And that's sort of what right. led to Crooked Media, and that's what led to Vote Save America. People want to know, They first of all, they want to have that, they want to be able to feel like other people feel the way that they do. They So they need a kind of a place to put those feelings. But then also they want to know what to do next. So they you're you're giving them a gu- you give them a guide in a way if you give them something to do they'll do it right they just want to know what the action item is right i mean i think i think right now it, you know it can be overwhelming it's been overwhelming for a long time but especially look mm-hmm. i mean the past year it feels like there's that joke that goes around twitter that's very i think at this point uh uh overcooked <laughs> which is like oh man the writers really went to town this season you know and uh right, and, right, right. but but like look at where we are like we have climate fires ravaging the west coast we have a pandemic that continues to be uncontained we have a improvisational fascist in the white house we have an authoritarian at the department of justice it is an overwhelming and terrifying time it can be very tough to figure out how to think about all that and to feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I think there has to be more, I think people are looking for something to do with all these feelings and, and, and Twitter is not right. the answer. Reading more news, reading more updates, reading more things you agree with is not the, always the answer, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so basically saying to people, like one question we got all the time, back when we were doing sort of live shows, back when people could gather in groups uh, in the old days, mm-hmm. we would, <laughs> people would ask us all the time, like, I live in a red state. I live in a, a blue state. Like, I want to make sure I'm helping uh, in the presidential election. What's the most effective thing I can do? And when you hear that question enough, you think, okay, mm-hmm. what's a way we can take harness all that energy? So we created adopt the state. And the idea is no matter where you are in the country, you can adopt a swing state. And then basically right. you get information about what you can do to be a a good activist, a good volunteer, a good contributor to victory in that state. So I've adopted Pennsylvania. We have five other states that you can adopt. And it basically takes all that energy and anxiety and says, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen to the country and what you're supposed to do. We will give you clear, concrete steps that you can take right now. And then the rest is up to you. And we found, you know, we've, we have now, I think in just in the past like day or two, it crossed 250,000 volunteers. Uh, we've raised, wow. and then we've raised, you know, you point that 7 million figure, three and a half million mm-hmm. just for a fund to get rid of Mitch McConnell as majority leader going to the key Senate races across the country. Mm-hmm. And so what's been really rewarding is we're not making people do anything. All we're doing is saying, you've been asking us these questions. Here's an answer. And it's, right. and it's amazing to see how people have responded that once they just given the tools, given the opportunity to participate, that's simple and digestible in a way that makes sense. That's sim- that, that like cuts through all the noise, people jump at the chance. And so there was all this energy out there just waiting to be harnessed. And we just happened to right. build this platform that gave people the chance to participate. So you adopted Pennsylvania? I did. You have so much work to do. <laughs> there are 20-foot high cutouts of Donald Trump all over Here's, the state of Pennsylvania. So I got in trouble in 2018. You did? Well, I made a few mm-hmm. blunders, one of which is that okay. I called Philadelphia uh, 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 Mid-Atlantic Boston, which did, did really make them okay. very angry. Uh, sure. <laughs> but also I basically... Uh, 
harangue them because they had blown it in 2016. And in 2018, they did great. Mm-hmm. They helped elect uh, a bunch of Democrats. They helped Democrats take back the House and and win. And actually now the Pennsylvania state legislature is, we're in striking distance. We only have to flip a few seats and it's really possible. Okay. So I mm-hmm. sort of have a longstanding grudge with the people of Pennsylvania and I am building up. I'm trying to build my, I'm trying to okay. win them back. I'm trying to re-earn earn their trust. Oh, that's okay. Now, I don't know that it's possible because I think um, Pennsylvanians have been burned before. They're uh, they're skittish people, you know, but um, <laughs> I'll do what I can. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just don't, <laughs> just a reminder that they did beat up the peace robot in Philly, out just outside Philly. So <laughs> the traveling, the, hap- the smiling robot <laughs> going across the land. Uh, to spread goodwill. They did kick the shit out of them and leave them in a ditch. So be careful. That's all. Pennsylvania. Well, I think the question about Pennsylvania, who hurt you, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, how do you, okay. So your total immersion in this world, people ask me this all all the time. um, And I'm sure people ask you, but I'm also going to ask you, how do you actually, you personally keep from being completely consumed or overwhelmed or do you do anything to mitigate that? I don't know that it's possible. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> it's um, it's really hard. It's been really hard lately. Mm-hmm. You know, I interviewed, I, I interviewed a psychologist okay. for uh, one of the podcasts, and uh, I said, like, how are you doing? Just as an opening conversation, and he just had this grim look on his face, and he went, you want the easy answer or you want the real answer? Oh. And I was like, all right, if I am... <laughs> Like, I think, I think that, uh, especially right now, it's been, it's it's really hard to separate, kind of to to take time for yourself to not feel like you're always in this, right? Like, I look out the sky, I see, like, uh, I see smoke filled air, it makes me think about the fact that it's not safe to go inside, and it's not safe to go outside, it makes me think about the climate, it makes me think about the election, it makes me think about how big and enormous our problems are. And that is, it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I read, you know, tweets all day and news all day, and then I talk about it for my job. For the most part, I mean, like, I don't think I've cracked the code. Uh, CBD has mm-hmm. been useful. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Uh, but, I, right. but like, I, I, I just think my my like sincere, earnest answer is paying attention more doesn't make you better at helping. Okay. And like, mm-hmm. you know, if you are in this, if you care, if you are volunteering, if you're donating, if you are doing your part, you are under no mm-hmm. obligation to keep up with every twist and turn of the news cycle. In fact, part of the job of Donald Trump in this election is to overwhelm us with bullshit and antagonism right. and little kind of um, paroxysms of of like racism and authoritarian just to like keep the news cycle churning mm-hmm. to keep the focus off the reality size problems that we have. Donald Trump wants us talking about TV size problems. He wants to talk about sure. little tiny incidents with protagonists and antagonists that he can tell a story about. He wants to talk about uh, you know uh, a single act of violence. He wants to talk about looting. He wants to talk about little. He wants to talk about examples that try to prove a larger point that actually isn't borne out by by the world that we live in. What he doesn't want to talk about is 200,000 dead Americans. He doesn't want to talk about uh, the fact that he's the first president to lose jobs. He doesn't want to talk about climate change. He doesn't want to talk about problems at the scale of our actual existence. He wants to talk about things that fit on a screen. Mm-hmm. And that can only work for him if we fall for it. So right. like the paying attention endlessly 
we don't really need to do it uh, unless it's actually helping you uh, participate. And if it's making you feel angry and anxious all the time, you can choose what mm-hmm. politics is. Politics can be Twitter, politics can be cable news, or politics can be sitting on your couch on Saturday and rolling calls into uh, into swing states and having five people not answer, four people hang up, and two people have a great conversation with you about what right. they need to know. Because we just had, we had a poll come out at a crooked media. We do this poll with change research, and we pulled like 3,000 um uh, people that are either uh, uh, less likely to vote or maybe have only voted once or, or undecided, kind of low propensity voters. And the one thing that is so surprising about that is they really just need to know more about Joe Biden. They need to know more about this race. They don't have a positive opinion of either Trump or Biden, but they are receptive. They're receptive to conversations about right. healthcare. They're receptive to conversations about the economy. That's a reason for hope. So, so we can reach those people. We can talk to those people. And that's not an antagonistic conversation. That's not an angry mm-hmm. conversation with a MAGA hat. That's just reaching people who don't think about politics as much, who don't have the kind of mental grooves about the two parties that so many of us have built over years and years of paying attention. And, you know, those people are out there and they're ready to be reached and talked to and registered and they're ready to become voters. And and that's what politics can be too. I find that amazing though. I do. I mean, I definitely obviously live in a media bubble and a bubble of my own creation. For sure. <laughs> but it is amazing to to imagine or just think of the fact that there are people out there who are not engaged at all and who are like, oh, right, there's an election coming up. It's almost unthinkable to me that most people wouldn't be at least somewhat engaged with this. But of course, well, of course, those people exist in large, in great numbers. Yeah, I mean, I think the good news is they're more engaged than ever. They are planning to vote. They have plans to vote. They're thinking about the election. They just don't know enough about the candidates. Mm-hmm. They don't come to it with a lot of the preconceptions that we assume. Like, I really do think at times, like we talk about the divide between staunch Republicans and 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 liberals and progressives, and obviously that's a uh, an important divide. <laughs> I'd say, but there's a bigger, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I think there's a bigger language mental divide between people who pay attention all the time and the people who just don't like that is a bridge that we struggle to cross because we just, our frame of reference now is so much politics, so much information, so much consumption. And then there are people that are just completely outside of that world. And like, how do you talk to them? How do you reach them? And you have to, so, and, and it's not, it's, you don't, you don't get that information by talking to a few people in diners. You have to like, you, there's, there's polling, there's research, there's focus groups. There's a lot of work that has to be done because they're just, we just don't have, they're, we're not part of the same media environment at all, just at all. Right. Do you, I mean, is it even, I, it's not even measurable to me how different this election cycle is from any other election cycle I've ever lived through. <laughs> In, you know, in the decades that I've been covering this kind of thing. I mean, can you even, can you even describe to people the difference? I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like being on another planet. It, it, it's so, I, I like I was, you feel it's in a lot of ways, it's like the pandemic in the sense that mm-hmm. like, I remember early on in the pandemic, a lot of the experts would say the challenge with defeating a pandemic is the steps you take before it gets bad look like overkill because they worked. You look hyperbolic. Right. You look like you are taking it too far. You look like you're overdramatic. You look like you're sensationalizing it because you're trying to get people to stop something before it explodes out of control. And if they listen, right. if you do what they say, they're like, why did we bother? Nothing happened. And I, right. And sometimes I feel like the same thing is going on right now with our democracy, which is 
Like, I sincerely believe this. I really do. I really believe this election is our last chance to save a <laughs> functioning democratic process in this country. I believe that. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think right. absent the guardrails of a presidential election, you have Bill Barr running roughshod mm-hmm. uh, over uh, the opposition, over dissent, uh, uh, over the rule of law. You have Donald Trump unleashed. You have vote suppression. Mm-hmm. You have the continued descent into uh, a non-democratic system. And I really do think that that's real. I think right now, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, there's always uh, this debate about, you know, uh, the media is being, uh, is creating false equivalents between Democrats and Republicans. They're trying to create balance, but there's a difference between balance and the truth. That's all true, right? It's, of course, like, you know, Donald Trump mm-hmm. is, a, is a liar, uh, his campaign is built on lies. You know, Biden is a politician. There is spin, but there's a difference. We always knew there was a difference between spin and just outright bold-faced bullshit, not reflective of reality lies. Like, there's a difference between saying, you know, uh, uh, that you, you, you know, the, the, the normal Democratic talking points around health care and, and Donald Trump saying, I've covered pre-existing conditions and Joe Biden will get rid of them. One is, you know, one is right. politics and one is something else. And so- we're at this moment where Donald Trump is using the prestige of our institutions from the inside. He's using the building of the mm-hmm. White House. He's using the DOJ. He's using CDC when it suits him. And then he attacks them from the outside when it's more convenient, right? Then he attacks the right. law enforcement. He attacks the CDC. He uh, attacks the press. He kind of abuses the press and expects them to be deferential to him because he's the president. And then he calls them the any of the people to try to delegitimize them in every other instance. He talks to Bob Woodward. Right, and then he attacks Bob Woodward. Mm-hmm. We see this over and over again. And so, what that means is, in some sense, yeah, you're right. Like this is an election; it's a normal presidential election between a right wing Republican and a center left Democrat. We've done that before, but at the same time, there's also this authoritarianism, this real, mm-hmm. genuine American fascism that is happening around it. That is a serious threat, and I think sometimes it's hard to process that those things are happening at the exact same time. Yeah. I mean, how are you grappling with the fact that voting alone is not really going to be enough to solve the problems that we have? Obviously, like we've ripped the Band-Aid off many, many problems in this country. And I am so I'm so fearful of what happens uh, the day after the election, actually. Yeah. Do you have that sense? Not that I want this interview doesn't need to be all doom and gloom, but we are in a very precarious state. And so I feel like we really need to talk about it. I mean, how much dread do you have? Regardless of the outcome, I have dread. I have more dread if Donald Trump <laughs> wins again, obviously. But I'm not, I just, uh, I'm not feeling, I'm not really feeling great about the day after. Uh, no, I, look, I am very worried about, I've said this for years, like the period of time I'm most afraid of uh, is the period mm-hmm. of time well, when Donald Trump is still president, but believes he will soon not be president anymore. I'm very worried about that. Right. Time. I'm incredibly worried about yeah. it. And it's frightening. That said, I think uh, their dread is real and fair and earned. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what I what gives me hope, what I try to kind of come back to is I think, okay, what what do we do now? Right. And the most important thing we can do now is figure out every day what we're going to do to help elect Joe Biden help elect a Democratic Mm -hmm. Senate, help make sure that on election night, the results are as clear as humanly possible to make it impossible or at least quite difficult for him to create the political Mm -hmm. permission structure 
to contest the election in a way that could work. Like, I, you know, I, that means that that means winning everywhere. That means winning big. That means winning in Florida, winning in Colorado, getting the results coming in quickly to show that this mm-hmm. is going to be a Biden victory that is hard to argue with. Now, let's say we right. do live in that world. And I'm not predicting it'll happen. It really may not. It could be much closer. Donald Trump absolutely could win the Electoral College. It is mm-hmm. completely plausible. And we should always keep that in mind every single day. But if we can get there, if we can get to that kind of a Biden victory, here's what my hope is. My hope is yeah. we will have spent four years, more than four years, paying attention because the country was in a state of crisis, because there was an emergency, because it was necessary for everyone to focus to stop a bunch of heinous shit. But if we can get Biden in, if we can win the Senate for the first time, progressives will be paying attention in a way they haven't in a generation. And for the first time, it won't just be Mm -hmm. about stopping something terrible. It'll be about building something good. And that's an opportunity that we haven't seen in a very long time, an opportunity to actually pass some transformative progressive legislation. There is a real consensus. You look at the policy proposals coming out of these working groups that the Biden campaign has formed. You look at the Mm -hmm. Sunrise Movement. You look at the reaction people had to protest against systemic racism. So many pundits predicted that it would backfire. And then lo and behold, the polls come out and Americans are waking up in a way that is genuinely surprising, a multi-ethnic, multi-racial coalition of people waking up to something. Uh, You have dark, cloudy skies. You have storms ravaging the Gulf Coast. You have people seeing climate change in real time. All of this, these acute harms, this movement, the possibility of a real victory, a consensus around incredibly progressive legislation, the most progressive platform uh, in our lifetimes ever, uh, that's an opportunity. That's a real opportunity. And no, we can't fix everything. No, we will not solve climate change overnight. There will be bad fires and bad storms for a long time. The, The Trumpism, the, the racist fringe, the nationalism will mm-hmm. still be there. QAnon will still be there. We are going to be in a slog. Facebook is going to continue to fail to take responsibility for its role in what is done to our yeah. culture. All of that will still be there, but we'll have a chance and we'll have a chance to do right. some really good things. And that keeps me going. Can we have 24 hours off? <laughs> just 20, like as a nation, can we just have 24 hours of non-chaos? Here's, just to reset, just a quick reset. Here's, just, here's the thing. The PlayStation 5 comes out on November 12th. <laughs> <laughs> the okay. PlayStation 5 comes out on November 12th. Okay. And okay. I just need everyone to understand that this election needs to be fucking done. All right. You have from November 3rd. <laughs> to November 12th to make sure this shit is done. Because on November 12th, I am unpacking Mm -hmm. that overpriced behemoth. I am am eating a marijuana edible the size of my dog's head. (laughs) Fantastic. And I am playing Demon Souls in the magnificent new Unreal Engine. And I'm throwing my phone into a volcano. Yes. (laughs) And that is what is going to happen. All right. Get your shit together. Get your world. shit together. Demon Souls. A break. It's a beautiful remaster. Please. That thing looks amazing. Oh Look at the light refracting. Those are ray tracing. That is a new technology. You get your shit together. <laughs> Just two days. Just give me a couple two days. fucking days. Immersion. Yeah. Okay. What do you? Okay, Joe. Let's talk about Joe Biden. Okay, let's sure. talk about him. Do you think he's? Why not? Why not? Who is this guy? You think he's improving as a candidate? 
as time or do you do you care I think, here's <laughs> like, what i think here's what? i think he's improving as a candidate i think i'm improving as a voter <laughs> okay great no I, what would you if, yeah. if you sat down with him like what would you ask him if you had him in the hot seat you know it's funny we've been trying to get joe biden on pods of america for a long time and like look we were mm-hmm. we were pretty tough during the primary because we thought it was our job right it's our job to like really kind of this is the most it was the most important primary in our lives because we were picking the person that would have to be our champion against Donald Trump. But honestly now, like, I I think it'd be important to talk to him just to uh, find out the ways people can be helpful, uh, to talk about what he's doing to appeal to young progressives, Mm -hmm. to talk about how he's striking that balance between reaching the voters who want to return to normalcy and reaching the the voters who feel like normal has been a crisis for a very long time. Like, that's a really tough balance to strike, right? Like we do really need both right. of those people. We need the the moderates who came out for Democrats in 2018. We also need the young progressives and non-voters who want to know that politics really has an answer for their problems when they feel like it hasn't for a very long time. We need to appeal to the left of the party. We need to appeal uh, to these uh, uh, moderates who um, uh, want to know, who, who don't like Trump, but are skeptical of Democrats. Like that's a, that's a tough balance to strike. And I think sometimes People want the answers to be easy Mm -hmm. or they want it to comport with their policy preferences. But there are a lot of different kinds of voters out there and they need a lot of different kinds of appeals. So like that'd be the kind of conversation I want to have. But like uh, one of the honestly, like one of the things I've just been thinking about lately is like, all right, it's my job to talk about politics. And I'll I'll listen. I'll talk about politics till the cows come home. You know, we can we can do this all day. But like the talking time is over. We got to get him in. The answer to every question yeah. is we have to get Joe Biden in. We have to do everything we can to help him. And the country is at stake. Like that's the answer to every question. Elect Joe Biden, yes. win back the Senate, and we have a chance. And so as important it is, I think, to help Joe Biden get his message out by talking to him directly, I actually think the most important thing we can do is the work ourselves of making the case for Joe Biden, making the case for Democrats, making the case to everybody mm-hmm. who hasn't volunteered in the past to say like, this isn't about other people doing it. Like you specifically are needed right now, especially because like, we just talked about this, that like how, like what an, what an opportunity this is Right. for the first time we talked about how this election feels different. Well, here's one way. It's really different. Every vote matters. And normally when we say every vote matters, we mean every vote can matter, right? There are districts that come down to a few votes. Florida in 2000, right? Came down to a few votes. Your vote can make the difference. That's always true. But right now, every vote we put on the scoreboard is another vote that makes it harder for Donald Trump to steal the election, which means every volunteer hour matters. Every vote matters. Every dollar matters because we are going to try to win this thing. It doesn't, we don't just have to win by 0.0001 votes in enough states to get to 270 electoral votes. We need to win as many votes as humanly possible to send a message. It really needs to to be a landslide. It has to be a landslide. And by the way, it's not just about Trump. It's not because Tom Cotton is watching. Josh Hawley is watching. The smart Trumps are waiting and we need to show them because these guys are not, they have no shame. They have no integrity. They want to know what works. Mm -hmm. And we need to show ambitious, valueless, craven Republicans that Trumpism doesn't work. That's what we have to prove. I do feel like as a nation, we have to take Trumpism and just like drown it. (laughs) Just... Put it in the ocean and sink it to the bottom and refute it. Just repudiate the whole fucking mess. I'm anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. When you talk to people, when you, as I'm sure you encounter a lot of people who are really Biden skeptical, who are not really sure if they're going to vote, who are considering just like taking, taking a powder 
passing on voting this year. Do you think that you have changed anyone's minds about that? I don't know. When you try to convince people, no. I, it's hard, I, it's to, hard know. to know. I mean, I, here's my, I think, like one thing that we saw in this, I think one thing we saw in this poll that we just put out is, and this is heartening, is that um, a lot of these voters who maybe would have gone to a third party or not voted in 2016 mm-hmm. are actually deciding that they're going to vote and are leaning towards Joe Biden. So I actually do think that Donald Trump as an abstraction uh, was less motivating than Donald Trump in reality. I think there are people who understand now that uh, mm-hmm. these stakes were really, really high and it wasn't right to either not vote or vote third party, that it was, that it is important to be in the fight. Now, they need to be convinced about Joe Biden as a candidate, but I think that they're gettable. And like one thing that like, you know, I talked to uh, Varshini Prakash, who started the Sunrise Movement, and, mm-hmm. you know, she's thinking about this too. And basically it's about, you know, uh, Joe Biden can be pushed. Joe Biden can be moved. Right. Joe Biden is receptive to politics. We have to get him in. And then, and, and to me, it's like, you have, we have to, like, if you are, if you are skeptical of Joe Biden, okay. Like, I understand that. Like, I, I always watch this primary unfold. I understand why you'd be skeptical. I understand why you might've wanted Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or someone else. Mm-hmm. We have to be Joe Biden's best friend <laughs> till November 3rd. Right. And then you can be his biggest problem every day after. Well, I actually, not to name drop, but I did talk to Jane Fonda last week, and she was like, you have the opportunity to choose your enemy. So choose the better enemy. Can I? Like, choose the enemy that you can actually work with a little bit. So I'm talking to you Jane Fonda push. right after I talk to you. You are? <laughs> yeah. And oh, I was actually going to... You are in for a treat. Jane Fonda, she does not suffer fools. She is very tough. No. I'm, I, like, I, I, I'm very, I'm, it's going to, I'm very excited about that. But uh, she said this, which is that... Um, like, uh, she'd rather push a moderate than fight a fascist. And I think, like, what a great way yes. to put it. What a great way to put it. It's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. It makes it so sensible. I'm actually going to adopt that language in my <laughs> own life for the next few weeks because it's, it's just a perfect distillation of exactly how I feel. Okay, all right. What, is, what happens to the Lincoln Project if Biden wins? What's going to, I don't know. How quickly will they turn on Joe Biden? <laughs> I don't know. Or do they just disappear? What do they do? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. I like, <laughs> I, I see people like, I, I don't know about the Lincoln Project. Like, I, I'm glad they're doing what they're doing. I wouldn't donate my dollars to a, a Republican mm-hmm. organization. I want to donate to building and supporting mm-hmm. like long-term progressive structures, right? I want like to build the organizations that will help us long-term. But like, I don't know. They're doing their thing. Uh, if, they add, if, if the ads are useful, I'm glad. I'm glad to have them on the team. And like, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's tough because uh, it's worth. There were a number. The vast majority of Republicans in position of power capitulated. They really did. They turned. They sold out their mm-hmm. country. They come and they. They turned over the reins to something monstrous uh, because it was yeah. easier for them because they lied to themselves about what it was worth because they denied something that they otherwise would have said for the entirety of their careers, which is that character matters, the character is destiny. Uh, we've seen that unfold in the pandemic. We've seen that there are people willing to defend anything, accept anything, lie about anything. It is a lesson we should never forget. And it is worth, right. I think, appreciating or trying to understand what made this group of 
mostly like right-wing consultants who some of whom have produced some of the most <laughs> heinous political shit that any of us have ever seen. What was it about this group of people that maintained a sense of righteousness that actually refused to participate? And I think it's worth appreciating mm-hmm. that and and applauding that, even if we dislike the people who have done it. Like, you know, John Kasich, like we don't have to like John Kasich to use John Kasich. We don't have to... Um, that's good because uh, I do not like John Kasich. <laughs> he's kind of goofy. He's kind of goofy. But like we, you know, like we don't have to. It's not embracing him to appreciate that he's on the side of Joe Biden, and it doesn't cost us anything. I don't think uh, to uh, use someone like John Kasich to send a message to some of those gettable Republicans, those gettable independents, as long as it's not resulting in any policy concessions. And whatever John Kasich said, I don't care what John Kasich says, like, it doesn't seem that it did. So we have a Democrat running on the most progressive policy platform in history, and he's got some of these Republicans like uh, beating the drum for him. Like, great. Great. Let's coronavirus. If it hadn't happened, (laughs) sure. All right. So coronavirus. Coronavirus. Anyway, you said John Kasich. Coronavirus. I talked about the pandemic. Quick pivot. Pivot. Quick. Quick. Zip. Zap. Zap. Um. (laughs) Do you think if they hadn't mismanaged coronavirus so poorly that he'd be like just cruising to reelection right now? You know, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe. I mean. Because really what that means is, like, if Donald Trump wasn't Donald Trump, would he be winning, right? Like, mm-hmm. he is constitutionally unable to do the right thing. He's like an anti-person. He's an anti-leader. He's an anti <laughs> But he is. It is. It's like, you know, uh, uh, it's like, are, are you wearing a mask? Fuck you. Are you avoiding social gathering? I'm hosting a super spreader event. Do you want scientists to do their jobs? Try hydroxychloroquine. Like, uh, you know, uh, are you – like? He just appeals to the worst in us and he appeals and he gives permission and encouragement to the worst elements of his base to be repellent, to be anti-citizens, to not Mm -hmm. help, to not participate, to not do their part, to act encumbered by just an act of community and wearing a mask, the simple thing we can do that's that even the head of Trump's CDC says may be more effective than a vaccine, this piece of cloth that can save our country. And Mm -hmm. he's trying to prevent people uh, from seeing it as an unalloyed good. Like he is an enemy. (laughs) He is an enemy of good citizenry. That's what he is. And so like, do I think it's possible in a better response, he'd be doing better? Of course I do. But the other piece of this is, this is to me, I think, it's just, it's both like, it's encouraging and discouraging. I don't know which way to, to take it, but like the economy is growing. There is no pandemic. Uh, he is polling, he, his approval is 42%. We have an economic crisis. We have 200,000 dead Americans. Where is he? Like 41%. Mm-hmm. Like the stability of his numbers, the, the, the yeah. stability of our political moment, like I wonder if this race wouldn't look very, very similar in terms of how it was polling. We'll never know. Right. But it is also true that like the ways that he has responded to the pandemic has not just been deadly. They've been bad politics, right? Like he's always, it's so stupid. It's so, it's, it's so enraging because it's like, dude, if you just behaved responsibly and could think not just an hour ahead, but a week ahead, you would be Mm -hmm. doing better politically and people would live. Like if he just had said, 
like, this is serious. Take this seriously. If he had listened to the scientists, mm-hmm. if he listened to his doctors, like, yeah, there would have been some pain on the uh, in the immediate moment with the stock market, with people being angry about mm-hmm. shutdowns. But he might have been a leader. I mean, it would never mm-hmm. possible. He might have been one of the leaders that had become more popular because they were seen as doing the right thing, listening to experts, being an adult, being responsible, taking it seriously. To this day. Americans don't yeah, trust well, Trump the on the coronavirus, least, on the most important issue. Yeah, like at the very least, they wouldn't be able to make videos of him going, it's nothing, don't worry about it. Like, so it's like <laughs> if he had just said the words, this is very serious, I'm taking it seriously, please wear a mask, <laughs> it would be, oh, anyway. He can't adjust, he can't adjust, and so it's like he, can't. he does it for one news cycle, he avoids hard questions or hard answers or bad news cycles for 24 hours and the end result is bad politics for him and we're still stuck in our houses and people can't go to school and it's a fucking nightmare. It's enraging. It's it's a level fucking of... I, we have to take a little bit of the rage we feel and put it in a little locket and keep it around our necks to open it and hear the screams so we don't forget. You do your podcast, but you are a, you're a comedy writer. How do you approach... Like when you think about... I'm looking at the debate that's coming up, the presidential debate, whether it happens or it doesn't happen, I really don't know. And I, I it's in my future that I have to watch it, <laughs> sure. which I feel it is on my schedule. Mm-hmm. It is a requirement of my job. Absolutely. Life. Can't wait. And we have to make jokes about it. So it will definitely be joke. There'll be a lot of dire comedy that will come out of it. But how do you look at that? Like when you see that on your calendar, are you do you feel a sense of dread? Or are you like, this will be a little bit delicious? Like, or you just like, this is terrible. I just want it. I just want to get to November 12th. (laughs) That's how I'm going to get to my PlayStation 5. Yeah, look, I'm sure you feel this too. It's like, on the one hand, I'm like, well, at least it's something different. At least it's something new to talk Mm -hmm. about. Like, obviously, like most of my thinking about the debates is uh, a knot in my stomach because the stakes are so high. But then I also just think it'll be nice to talk about something specific that everybody paid attention to that we can talk about and have a kind of shared basis to have a conversation and to make jokes. On the other hand, like, I'm so, like, the... The, the Trump joke barrel, like there is, there is nothing in there. It's empty. Mm-hmm. The Trump barrel, empty. it's like, I, I, like, I can't, I can't take any more Cheeto Jesus shit. I can't like, I just, yeah. he's, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, there's always more things to joke about. Like, you know, yeah. you, you do this, every, I mean, you do this all the time, you know, but it's just like, but very subtly, we've kind of leaned away from referencing him all that much we don't actually do because our our barrel is empty because we're just it's hard to look at him and see a clown anymore he's like we're watching evil unfold yeah no i i think that's right i think that's right i think it's it's we've been and also just as a figure right like he mm-hmm. is immutable. Like he is, he is, he is not a changed person. The the way that he behaved in just 2016 is the way he's behaving now. So like, of course, we're like, you know, what's left to say? What's left to say? Like, we're going to make fun of him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's ignorant. Yeah. He doesn't read his briefing books. He's uh, a narcissist. He doesn't care if we live or die. He's uh, foolish and he is embraced by fools. And like, all of that is true and it is repellent and it is, at this point, fucking cliche. So yeah, like right. I'm sure you're leaning. We have to lean away. Like there's, uh, and and by the way, the other the other piece of this too is, 
we're not in this mess just because of Trump. We're in this mess because of all the systems and people and propaganda around Trump that allows something so obviously monstrous, so obviously unfit, so obviously lazy and undisciplined uh, and without the qualities we need in a person in this actual real life job. Like the reason mm-hmm. that's possible is not because of Trump. It's because of all the things around Trump. And like, that's uh, to me, I, like that's where I feel like I want to direct my attention because uh, Trump won't be here forever. But those problems, those issues, like they're not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I get, how do you, where do you even begin? If you were advising someone, where would you even begin to rebuild the country? Like, what is the mission on day one? I mean, what is the first thing that a person does on day one? What's the list? It's so, it's, it's unbelievably long. There is so much to do. Many of these problems are like, what are we going to do about QAnon for Christ's sake? What are we supposed to do about that? Yeah, it's, um. Yeah, it's, it's like, obviously, like, I don't, I don't know, you know, but, 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 uh, I think, I think sometimes, sometimes when we talk about Facebook and we talk about Fox news, I think sometimes we are even inside of that conversation about how afraid we are of these sort of propaganda tools and these platforms, like even inside of those conversations, we're not able to actually face part of the problem, which is, yeah, like Facebook has radicalized a number of people. But people also mm-hmm. radicalized Facebook. Yeah, like Fox News pumps out heinous shit night after night, and it it, it is toxic to the people that right. take it in night after night. But there's also something broken in a culture where people seek that out, where they where they want news, where they want mm-hmm. information that is completely non-challenging, that tells them every bias, every feeling, every instinct they have is right, that life is simple. That there are that there is good and there is bad. That you are good and they are bad. Like there is something really broken in us that led so many people to want that to right. ex- want to experience that night after night after night. Like, uh, like you know, you you cover Sean Hannity on your show all the time. Like, uh, like hey, it's time for Sean Hannity. Let's take in this hour of repetitive fucking horseshit night after night mm. after night after <laughs> night. Like that is t- it's. Forget the damage it does. It is terrible television. It is terrible. And there are people out there who don't care how bad the TV is because it's giving them something. It's giving them something for their psyche, for their identity that they feel like they need. And that's to me like a, like a deeper, deeper problem. And so like we obviously need Joe Biden and Democrats to take the pandemic seriously from day one. We need them to take the climate seriously from from day one. We take this the economic mm-hmm. crisis seriously from day one. But like fundamentally, we need to restore trust in institutions, and that is right. really a difficult project about proving that government can work, that it can answer the problems you have in a way that is digestible and simple that you can see. Government working that you can see that isn't complicated and diffuse, but like. But is but observable change, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. is that easy? No, it's really really hard. But it's it's what has to happen. Oh my god, we've been talking for almost an hour. <sighs> this is great. I love talking to you. I love talking to yeah. you. Oh, <laughs> you're talking to Jane Fonda after this. You're having quite a day. I call. I've just exhausted you. I call, depleted you. I call my mother. <laughs> I call my mother, and I said, uh, "I'm talking to Jane Fonda." And she mm-hmm. said, uh, oh, I love Jane Fonda. Don't tell your father. He's still mad about the Vietnam thing. <laughs> Get out. Oh I think I'm going to tell Jane that. 
Oh, for sure. Gotta tell her. Oh, definitely. Gotta tell her. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Before I, my, I'm just going to ask you, okay, what, we just talked about Hannity. Sure. That is bad television. And I mean, watching that blockhead is the terrible yeah. television. Just <laughs> visually, spiritually, psychologically. The font's not the what biggest problem. The font's. Oh, God. <laughs> Awful. Started on the fonts. Okay. <laughs> What are you watching now? Are you watching TV? Do you watch anything? Like, how do you chill out? Okay. You can take a, a piece of mm-hmm. you can sure. take marijuana that is the size of your dog's head. Or how do you how do you chill out at the end of the... Do so you? I have been, wa- you watching? been watching old sitcoms. Mentally, I'm not in a position oh. to meet new characters. I'm sorry. I will, at some, <laughs> point, at some point, I'll want to meet some of you new characters out there. Sure. You look awesome. There's some great new mm-hmm. characters. People are coming up with great characters. All right. It's amazing. Okay. You yeah. think there can't mm-hmm. be any more characters? They've all been created. That's not true. <laughs> right. Always cool new characters, but right now, like I, I was really like I just, uh, my partner is sick of it because he mm-hmm. he I've gotten him to like sitcoms, but he doesn't like them the way that I like them. But like I've been watching Golden okay. Girls, I've been watching <gasps> I've been watching Seinfeld. And uh, I realized, like, I thought when I first started doing it that it was, like, reassuring because it was people, like, outside of a pandemic, obviously, their problems are mm-hmm. quite small and solvable. Yeah. But the more I watch it, the realize that, like, wait a second, what I appreciate in watching these people in this world is they don't have cell phones. <laughs> They're not reachable. They don't have Twitter. They're not adult. Yeah, like a lot of these episodes, like their ships passing in the night, they can't find each other at the movies. That does seem frustrating. But like, you look at these people. I overheard something because I was behind the kitchen door. And I think I've misinterpreted this situation, but let's keep going with it for 20 more minutes. Hey, Ma, don't listen while I'm on the phone. You know? (laughs) This is good stuff. But like, these... (laughs) I realize I watch these shows and I look at these people mm-hmm. and I was like, no one in any of these shows has any idea that they're missing a cell phone. They don't think they're missing it. They don't know about it. They don't care about it. Their lives are fine. They're not looking to connect more. They find each other somehow. They get together in person. They are not distracted all the time. They are looking at each other in the eyes. They're not uh, They're not adult. They're not frenetic. They're not overwhelmed by the news. They live and they have a time. They, they, they go to a diner and they have a conversation. Oh. They meet up at each other's houses. Uh, their interactions are contained to the phone or to real life, to like actual conversations. And I just think um, there's not really much we can do about it, but I think these phones were probably a huge mistake. This is incredible. <laughs> You've just unspooled my brain, literally thinking about the Golden Girls sitting around eating cheesecake at their kitchen table. No, so imagine, imagine, imagine like Sophia on Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just Dorothy on TikTok. A lot of conversations about them doing TikToks. It, I just my shoulders just started to tense up. <laughs> Rose set up an insta- Rose set up a a, uh, a Tinder oh. profile for Blanche. Oh my! I don't God. think it's good. Blanche <laughs> photographed herself. She sent a sext, and it went to the wrong person. Yeah. And she's showing up in traffic court, but she's sexed at the judge. He, what's going to happen? Okay, well, I have to say that Adam Howard painted a picture. 
of um, my whole of uh, my podcast team, my producers and I, as the Golden Girls. I have, so we should show that to you on your way out because we are big Golden I'm putting, Girls people. I'm showing. Here. I'm turning on my camera for one second because you can see <laughs> that I have my Golden Girls <sighs> mask. Yes, I have my Golden Girls mask on right now. So. Yeah. So good. Yeah, so yeah, I'm in. Love it. I'm in on the girls. You're in. All right. All right. We'll share a cheesecake around a kitchen table together one day. All right. Thank you so much. Enjoy your conversation with Jane later. This was just a full pleasure for me. Well, it was so. great talking to you. Thanks for having me. You know, mm-hmm. stay safe out stay there. Strong. Yeah, you too. Enjoy paying attention for uh, uh, <laughs> hours without end for the next 46 yep. days. Perfect. See you at the debate. Okay, I need to squeeze in another quick break here. Okay, we're back. Uh, I can't believe Stephen Miller replaced him. Oh, my <laughs> God, that is so tragic. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, he's so great. Yeah, there's no way that Stephen Miller could have even carried on a conversation of that length and depth. <laughs> there's no way. There yeah. is. He's probably been, like, banned from Zoom for some reason. <laughs> oh, could you? Oh. That would be like I, I dread doing zooms with people I love and like. Yeah. <laughs> Too much. Well, you were like, like <laughs> you had to do one with Stephen Miller. Yeah. It's like somehow you left a residue behind on Zoom. <laughs> I don't know how, but there's a weird film Ooh. all over the Zoom. Yuck. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> on, that <note>. <laughs> on that note, real talk. Okay, we're yeah. five weeks away from the election now. Um. All right. Well, let's inject some politics into our beloved real or fake franchise so that no one ever has a chance to forget about the importance of voting and voting. Never forget voting. Do it all the time. As many times as you can. I'm sorry. I retract that. Don't. Just do it the one time, but make it count. (laughs) Do it the one time, but do it on the right day. Do it on the right day. Do it in the right way. Make sure you are thorough. Okay. Let's do trick or tweet which I have so much trouble saying. Okay, so this <laughs> I week, thought it was cute. It's cute. I love it. Yeah. I just can't say it, but I did say <laughs> it, but I had to work on it. Okay, this week, my producers, Svia and Adam, have scoured Donald Trump's horrific Twitter history to supply us with, ample, with examples of actual things he's tweeted mixed in with stuff they just made up. So I'm going to guess which is which. I'm going to use my Trump senses to determine if they're real or fake. I'm not very good at this. I'm not very good at this. Usually I'm very good. I feel like that's a good but thing. This is this is very challenging because he is dumber than <laughs> imaginable. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to this is the first time I'm reading them. I'm going to tell you if these are real or if these are fake. Okay. Here's one. I don't know how much longer I can take this bullshit. So terrible. Hashtag #Oscars Oh, I think that's fake. That's real. March of 2014. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Well, we learned last week also, I think he watches the Oscars a lot. (laughs) He had like, he live tweets the Oscars. I could be be (laughs) wrong. I feel feel like that might have been the year that 12 Years a Slave won. I could be off. That might explain why he was so upset. (laughs) That explains things. Even if you're wrong, oh it makes sense. Oh, my Lord. Okay. <laughs> Ugh. He's so awful. Okay. 
Princess Diana was one of the all-time great beauties. I was a big fan and respected her greatly. I think that's real, but it doesn't feel sexual enough. Because I think he went further and was like, I should try to pork her, or she was into me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Is this real? Wait, is that your final answer? It's my final answer is real, but I think he's it escalated from if this is real, then it got worse <laughs> after that. Real, but it's a it's thread. A thread. <laughs> oh, it's uh, fake. I'm I'm very proud of it because I'm obsessed with his like weird like coulda shoulda princess die thing. Yeah, he really has like verbalized that he thinks he should have and could have slept with her. Yeah, which is that's insane. It. That's the that's the flavor that I had in my brain. So I felt yeah. like this was just like step one of <laughs> you should have seen how she was looking at me. Auga, auga. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like we're like days away from him tweeting the like, had she not died, they would have oh, for I sure. rated her four augas. She propositioned me. <laughs> She was like begging for it. And I was like, oh, God. Okay. I am very bad at this. I'm very bad at this version of it. Okay. I've always been a fan of Steve Jobs, especially after watching Apple stock collapse without him. But the yacht he built is truly ugly. (laughs) I'm reading these in real time, real time. (laughs) Is that real? It's from 2013. I love this, like, the train of thought. Like, he, he kind of says a nice thing about a person, but then just has to mention that their yacht is ugly. Their yacht is, his yacht is ugly. <laughs> Truly ugly. Truly ugly. <laughs> That's the most elitist insult. <laughs> oh, God. What an asshole. Okay. The fake news, the fake news is claiming that your favorite president has a fake tan. They will always stoop so low. Ah, we could, you know, because the problem is it could be, it could be either. He's definitely referenced his tan. He's referenced, he constantly references his own hair. I think it's fake, but there's a series of tweets about his fake tan okay i think it's fake but could be real okay you got me on that one okay i mean i just he's talked about his tan and obviously i mean jesus i always like to imagine someone like him and like marilyn manson just waking up in the morning looking normal and sort of shabby and then just like horrid and then they go in the bathroom and they're like it's time to put on my tanner or like time to get my white contact lenses in so I can look ghoulish. (laughs) I feel like it's like women in the 50s who would wake up an hour before their husbands to like put on their full set of makeup and like take the rollers out of their hair to like look perfect in the morning. That's why he's up so early tweeting. (laughs) (laughs) Painting his face. Painting, painting, painting. It's really an amazing testament and I don't want to like, I don't really care about his makeup anymore and his <laughs> fake, t- you know, whatever. Yeah. he's evil. But it's amazing to me that even, I think it's very telling that even now, no makeup artist can penetrate his psyche enough to just be like, let me do your ears. 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm, he's got a weird yes. phobia. Yeah, I'll just, I'm just going to put a little powder on your ears. And he's like, no, like hard line. You can't get near them. After years and years, he's so adamant about my ears are fine. Take a look at Obama Netflix deal. There's something going on there. That feels real. Oh, that's fake. Well, I'm sure he tweeted about it. <laughs> yeah, and I just like he always does that. He says like there's something going on. <laughs> I have there's no idea something what it going is. on. Looking into that. He has no answers and he just wants to put out enough feelers that someone else will go find something. Yeah. Right. He's yeah, not creative enough to actually come yeah. up with the conspiracy. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, losers and haters, but my IQ is one of the highest and you all know it. Please don't feel so stupid or insecure. It's not your fault. What? What? <laughs> Jesus Christ, what? Sorry, losers. It's. I think it's real because it doesn't make any sense. It's real. Um, yeah. Let me unwind this. <laughs> you can't. There is like multiple parts, yeah. There's a lot going on. Sorry to my, lo- oh, oh, to my losers and my haters. <laughs> no, just sorry, losers and haters. You're, you're trying to make it sound more logical. I so. was. Sorry, the people that I hate. <laughs> You're trying to add punctuation that does yes. not exist. My IQ. Sorry, idiots. My IQ is very high. Don't feel too stupid. It's not your fault. Like, you were born <laughs> stupid, and I'm really smart. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. That's great. He's wonderful. He should run for president. <laughs> yeah, you wrote qualified. that seven years ago. And it's just like, people are like, yeah, I like it. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, that was a great sesh. I did poorly. (laughs) Inspiring. I hope you liked my podcast. If you did, let me know in the comments. If you didn't, please consider hate listening in the future. Seriously, though, please rate, review, and subscribe to Full Release on Apple Podcasts. And keep sending your questions to fullrelease at sambi.com. If your question is good enough to stump me, Adam and Svea reveal it in a future episode. Most questions stump me. I'll be honest. In the meantime, let me know who I should be talking to, what I should talk to them about, or just let me know what an amazing job you think that we are all doing. And see you next Tuesday for another full release. This podcast was produced by Adam Howard and Sphere Baron Reinstein with research provided by Nori Malik and IT and technical production provided by High Tech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me. That's me, Samantha B. Probably start right away. I feel like he won't need us to explain to him what to do because he's done this longer than we have. (laughs) So if you want to just... What's going on? He's like, this is amateur hour. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. He's coming on now. You don't know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. All right.